Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we don't have words to express our gratitude for what you've done. You asked your perfect son to empty himself of his glory and to come to earth, and you, you knit him together by the power of your spirit in the womb of a virgin. And he came into the earth in a manger. A little baby, just like every other little baby, he came through the womb of a woman into the earth as the Son of Man. And he lived his life before us to clearly demonstrate to everyone who saw him your goodness. He perfectly expressed you in the earth. He clearly showed to the world it is your will to heal. He clearly showed to the world it is your will to, your will to set people free. It is your will for people to have life and life abundantly. He clearly expressed your will and nature to the world. And then when the time came, he gave his life. He laid down his life. He allowed himself to be arrested to be unjustly accused and arrested and persecuted and tortured. And he knew that with every punch, with every ripping of his beard, with every thorn pounded into his skull, with every whip that ripped his flesh, he knew that with every wound and stripe that healing was being provided for us today. So, Father, we take off our religious goggles, we remove our religious headphones, and we get into some fresh, hot revelation of the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. It was our sins he bore. He became sin on that cross. He bore our sicknesses. He bore our diseases. He bore our poverty. He he canceled the separation that was between you and us. And today, Father, we've become one with you through faith in your Son and his finished work. Holy Spirit, make this real to us. Give us revelation this morning. Open the eyes of our heart that would be, we would be sure and certain of who you are and what you've done for us and who we are in you. That we would be sure and certain of your calling upon our lives. That we would be sure and certain of the riches of our inheritance. That we would be sure and certain of the unsurpassed, unlimited greatness of the resurrection power of Christ that is abiding resonating and radiating in and from us who believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The day he has made. Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us, it's an invitation, rejoice and be glad in it. Verse 25 in the message says, Salvation now. God, salvation now exclamation point. Oh yes, God, a free and full life now. A free and full life now. A depression-free life now. A bondage-free life now. An addiction-free life now. A healthy body now. Psalm 118 is is speaking to us prophetically. The Bible is full of prophetic 
declaration. And this is a prophetic declaration of Christ, Jesus Christ, and what he would accomplish through his ministry and his resurrection. Let's look at the very first two words of verse 22. The stone. The stone. What are we talking about, a stone? We're talking about the foundation that abundant life is built on. The stone, the foundation that life is built on. Listen, if you don't know it yet, it's time to know it today. The only sure foundation for life is Christ himself. He is the only foundation that an abundant, victorious life can be built on. In fact, God is called the rock, the stone, the rock in the scriptures. Can we look at some scriptures? Can we look at our rock? And we're going to come back to Psalm 118. Let's look at 2 Samuel 22. You see, faith in Christ is the only way to really live. He's the only foundation that you can build your life on that cannot be shaken and cannot be moved. There are many people who are coming to church but haven't built their lives on the foundation of the stone, of the immovable Christ. It's time for that to change if you're one of those folks. 2 Samuel 22.32 says this, For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? Who else could you build your life on and not be moved? Who else is there? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. (laughs) Isaiah 44, verse 8 says, Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? I know of none. Psalm 92.15 says to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. He is the one I have built my life on. He is the one I stake my life on. He is the one that my future is relying on. He is the one that my present is built upon. Hallelujah. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. That means he'll never turn his back on you. He'll never turn from you. He'll never let you down. He'll never fail you. He can't fail you. He doesn't know how. Psalm 94, 22 says, But the Lord, the Lord has been my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. Psalm 61 verse 2 says, From the end of the earth I call to thee. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, Jesus teaches us about the stone to build our lives on. And he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and puts them into practice, acts on them daily, makes decisions based on them, makes movements based upon them, chooses to do things because of what God has said. The one who puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The Greek word here is Petra. It's a a massive bedrock that can't be shaken. In fact, there's a phrase that said you've hit bedrock. Because you can start digging on the surface, and there can be rocks, some of them very large, but they're loose, and eventually they'll move. And once you get by all the surface stuff and and the smaller rocks, you get to a point where you hit bedrock, and that doesn't move. Jesus is the bedrock. And when you choose to put your faith in him and study your hard copy Bible and practice it, you're building your life on the bedrock. And nothing will be able to move you. And I do mean nothing. He's the stone. 
which the builders rejected, and he's become the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the immovable bedrock that we're to build our lives on. He's the chief cornerstone, verse 22 says of Psalm 118. What's that all about? What's a chief cornerstone? Well, in Jesus' day, when they built buildings, they built them typically of stone, and they had four corners normally. The chief cornerstone was the first stone laid down on the ground at one corner of the building, and they built the building by adding stones next to the chief cornerstone and putting stones on top of the chief cornerstone. How important is the chief cornerstone? It was so important that if it was even slightly angled, it affected the whole building. The chief cornerstone is so important that if it was even slightly slanted, the whole building ended up tilted and was at risk of toppling over. And I want us to, to look right at Jesus this morning. What are we do, why are we doing the things we do during the week? Why are we spending our time the way we're spending it? If, if passion for him, if what he said and who he is is not the reason for our, the way we spend our time, our energy, and our resources, then our, our building's going to be tilted and slanted, and it's at risk. Our life is at risk from falling over and crumbling. So as believers in Christ, we're not part of a religion. We've left religious tradition. We're in a fiery hot relationship with God as our Father. And we become disciples of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we've left everything to follow Him. We've left everything. We've given Him all of our dreams and desires. We've given Him all of our money, all of our hopes, our families. We've given Him everything, and we're living solely for Him. And it is an, an, until you get to that place, you haven't begun living. And this is where life begins, and we build our lives. How do you build your life? We make our daily decisions based on our total commitment to Him. Every decision, when we're in Cumberland Farms, filling up, getting some gas and coffee, when we're talking with someone from a, a, on a sales call, Every decision is, is permeated and overflowing with our commitment to our Savior. Our present day decisions, our future plans, it's all about Jesus. This is how you build your life on the chief cornerstone. Now you can be 80% about Jesus, but you're going to be a little tilt tilted. And it won't show up right away. And the devil, the devil loves that when you're 80% there because he sees the tilt. And he starts implementing a strategy five, ten years down the road, and it's going to topple your building. Today's the day to build your life on the chief cornerstone. Today's the day to take inventory of why you're doing what you're doing in your life. Why do you work where you work? Why do you spend time the way you spend it? Why do you spend your resources the way you spend them? I am in your life to, to, to exhort you to passionately pursue him. That's why I'm here. To exhort you to forsake everything and run after Christ. And I do mean everything. How do you forsake everything? You make Jesus the passion of all that you do. You can do this in any field, in any industry. I'm not talking about full-time ministry. I'm talking about your heart and God's heart moving forward in your daily life together in sync, in unison. And that if anything comes against your commitment to Him, if anything tries to move you in an ungodly direction, it's out of the question because I built my life on the chief cornerstone. We, we, we want to understand that to, to embrace an ungodly idea, to allow our minds to think upon something that is contrary to what Christ has said is risking our foundation. I can't allow my mind to, to entertain immoral thoughts. I can't allow sexual immorality in my mind. 
Why? Because God's so good. He saved me from that. I can't allow greed or selfishness in my thinking. I can't allow an ulterior motive in my life. My motive, my motive has to be the stone. Are you stoned? Building your life on him, on the stone. He's our motive. Happy Easter. I'm talking about the risen Christ who loves you with everything that he's got. We're digging. We're digging. We're digging way down to the center of your heart. Is he the reason you open your eyes in the morning? Come on. The stone. The stone. If he's not the reason you're opening your eyes, your foundation's off. Hallelujah. He's the stone. He's the stone. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. I don't have time to tell you fairy tales. I don't have time to try and get you to like me. I don't know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. I don't know what this year holds. I'm here to tell you, do inventory of your passions. Do inventory of your thought life. Get rid of anything that is, is, is slightly deviating from, from all-out commitment to him. Give him your all. Give him your all. Give him everything. 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 Everything you own, everything you have, everything you are, everything you hope to be, give it all to him and say, your will be done in my life just as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm glad you're here this morning. Now, what, who are these builders that are causing the Lord so much trouble? Well, we skipped one. Let's not get, hold on, let's see. Yeah, let's do that. The builders, who are these builders? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The builders were the religious leaders who wanted their beliefs to become people's foundation instead of what Christ said. These are the builders. They wanted people to accept what they said even if it contradicted what Christ said. Religious tradition is that way. It builds a building full of the doctrine of man, and it wants you to come in and stay there. The builders rejected the chief cornerstone. They were to embrace him and say what he said. Instead, they taught people to, to do things contrary to what he said, and they made the word of God of no effect in people's lives. God is the builder we want to build our lives, not the wisdom of man. Are you building your life on man's wisdom and religious tradition? How do you know? Get in here. Get in here as if your life depended on it because it does. Just being real with you. If you're not in this book daily, you're missing it. Daily. You've got to be in this book and eating it daily. Why? Because it's the food you need to be strong. It's the food. You can skip natural food for a day. Yeah, you'll have some, you know, hunger pains. You can skip it for three days. You can skip it for a week. You can skip it for uh, quite a while, actually. They say about six weeks. I've not gone that long, but I've, I've gone a while without eating. And your body will adjust. But you'll come to a point where you can't go on anymore. Your body's going to stop. Well, it's like that spiritually. You can come to church once in a while. You can read your Bible every now and then. But there will come a point where you'll be so spiritually weak, you won't know what happened to you. You won't understand why your life is where it is, why the things are going on that are going on, why you can't overcome the things that are facing you. And it's because you've just allowed yourself to get weak. Because you haven't fed, you haven't fed yourself. You haven't put your nose in this book on a daily basis. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about Psalm 23. Feed on that every day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. You're looking at your accounts and your business and it doesn't look like what, it sh what, what it's supposed to look like. Maybe it, it's heading towards the red. But you say, no, the Lord is my shepherd. We shall not lack. We will prosper. The favor of God is upon my life and upon my business. 
Hallelujah. So the builders rejected the chief cornerstone, so the Father sent the stone into the earth. And I love verse 23. It says, this is the Lord's doing. Why is that important? It was his love for you. It was his initiative. God, God thought of this. God initiated this plan of salvation. We didn't even realize we needed him. And we can go through life not even realizing how much we need him. But God knows how much we need him. And that's what's wonderful about being a parent. You have little ones and you raise them. They really don't know what they need. <laughs> and you're, that's part of their parents' responsibility is to give them what they need because they don't know. And God is, is our father. He wants to give us what we need because we don't know. And what we need is Christ. What we need is a red-hot relationship with his son. What we need is a passionate, intimate, daily walk with the one who made us. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's the Lord doing. God knows what you need before you ask him. Before you even realize that you have a need, he already has it met through his son. Every need, currently and future tense, is already met abundantly through Christ. I'm telling you, the payoff for reading this book, believing it, and practicing it is astronomical. I can't even, no way of calculating it. There's no spreadsheet, there's no computer that can calculate the benefits of walking with him. The benefits of, of eating this daily and practicing it in my life. Not legalistically, lovingly. Knowing God is my Father and He's for me. Hallelujah. God has taken the initiative to save you. God took the initiative to heal you, to make you whole, to set you free, to bring you into His family. He took the initiative to adopt you and make you His own. It's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. He loved us when we hated Him. He loved us when we didn't understand, when we were all caught up in our mess. He loves us perfectly, and nothing can change that. No one loves you like he loves you. No one knows you like he knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows things about you you don't know about you. And he loves you completely, and he loves you perfectly, and he's completely for you. It's the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says it this way. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him so that we might live through him. So if we're not living through him, we're not living. <laughs> We've missed the gift of the Father. He gave his son, he demonstrated his love to us, so that our daily life would be fueled and powered by the Holy Spirit, by his love for us. Verse 10, this is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done. <laughs> you see, when Jesus rode, rose from the dead, he cleared away your sins and the damage that they've done. You're as clean as he is clean the moment you put your faith in him. He became your sin, he became the damage of your sin, and he gave you his righteousness. He incurred your damages and gave you his life. He, to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We're talking about the Lord's doing the Lord's initiative to bring the stone into the earth. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come. I've exercised my own initiative. I voluntarily, I voluntarily came into this earth. I left my perfect home and I surrendered my glory. And I, I came into the earth as a baby and grew as a boy. And I'm here as a son of man so that to, I have come to give you everything in abundance. You better know this about your father. His agenda for you is abundance. 
to give you everything in abundance. And this is oftentimes what keeps people from coming to him. They don't realize what he wants to do in their lives. They think he wants to take something from them. They don't understand how that he's the perfect father we've all been looking for. His plan for you is life abundantly. He sent his son into the earth not to make your life worse, to make your life supernatural, to make your life abundant, to give you the life that you've dreamed of. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That sounds like verse 25 of Psalm 118, a free and full life. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Do you believe that? Do you believe God wants that for you? Then why are you timid about asking Him for things? Why do you come at Him with trepidation or uh, timidly? Why not come boldly? before your Father's throne, and ask whatever you wish. Jesus said this repeatedly, to ask whatever you wish, whatever you desire. I was meditating on this in the last few weeks. It's amazing how much he wants to give to us. He said to the woman who came to him for her daughter, he said, be it done unto you according to your will. One translation says, just as you desire. Be it done unto you, just as you desire. Another translation says, just as you wish. You see, God is more for your dreams than you are. God is more for your success than you are. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God is more for you than than anyone else ever could be. That God is more for your success than anyone else could ever be, even yourself. That God wants you to prosper more than you want to prosper. That God wants to be your everything, and he knows the only way to that plan, to the fulfillment of the abundant life he came to give you is through his son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the Lord's doing. This is God's initiative. He sent his son into the earth, not to create a religious tradition, but to give you a life in its fullness, life abundantly. One translation says more and better life than they ever dreamed of. More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of life. I've done some dreaming. I've done some dreaming. And it's more than you've dreamed of. More. In fact, we were just talking about this yesterday, I think. Uh, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or imagine. Is that in the Bible? Where's that at in the Bible? Come on now. Yes. Ephesians, right? It's God's desire to, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. See, when you realize the nature of your father, commitment to him is no problem. <laughs> it's like, who, who else am I going to live? Who else are you going to follow? You're following someone. You're committed to someone, whether you realize it or not. Don't know who that is, but you're committed to someone. Might be yourself, might be your, your family, might be your tradition, might be your heritage, might be your job. But when you realize who he is, I mean, I don't even think about commitment to him. I don't even think about, okay, I can't do this. I shouldn't do that. It's like, I want more of you. you know? It's like, why would I pursue, why would I allow any other passion to compete with you? Because I don't realize how good you are. Right? I, I mean, I, I'm married to Jennifer. Are you kidding? Look at another woman for what? I know her. No one can compare with her. Sorry. Sorry, I know her. You see, temptation loses its allure when you realize how good your father is. Why would I leave his family? He wants to do more than I can imagine in my life. Who else can do that? Who else has that power and that insight, that wisdom and that omniscience? 
to do more than I can ask or imagine in my life? Who can love me like he loves me? Who can get into every nook and cranny of me and make it whole? Come on. Who can love me intimately like he can? Who can care for me tenderly like he can? Who can know me completely like he can? Who can provide for me supernaturally like he can? <laughs> Come on. Hallelujah. See, the passion comes from realizing who he is. Hallelujah. So let's talk about this verse 24. So this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Verse 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Now I've heard Christians, they'll get up and it's sunny and they'll say, this is the day the Lord has made. Or it's raining, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be, be glad in it. But actually, this uh, prophetic scripture in Psalm 118 is not talking about a 24-hour period at all. Not at all. It's talking about the age of God's grace. This is the day he has made. The day, what is the day he's made? It's a period of time that will never be again. And it began when Christ rose from the dead, and it will conclude with the rapture of the church. It's the day we're talking about. We're in it now. Whether it's raining or whatever's going on outside, we're in this age of the grace of God. And this is what Jesus taught. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. It's, it's the age of God's grace, and it began not with Moses. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it began with the resurrection of Christ. So if your frame of reference when you think of the Bible is Moses, boy, have you missed it. If your frame of reference when you think of the Bible is the Ten Commandments, boy, have you missed it. When you think of the Bible, you should think of Jesus. In fact, he is the only frame of reference that will enable you to understand the Bible. Not religious tradition, not the Ten Commandments, the person of Christ. It's the only way to properly understand and interpret the Scriptures is through the light of his person. Hallelujah. Did you know that God is not interested in us setting aside a day to pay him homage? Do you know he's not an idol that wants to be uh, given homage, but he's a loving father that wants to have a relationship with you? He's not interested in you coming twice a year to a church to, to pay homage to a religious tradition. He wants you to experience him every day of your life. We celebrate him every morning, every afternoon, every evening. In the middle of the night, we're celebrating this relationship he has with us that he's given us through his son. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is the stone talking. Not Mick Jagger, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah. Why did he anoint him? To preach it's God's method of salvation. Did you know that? When you realize that, you'll fill your life with good preaching. It's God's method of salvation, preaching. You might not like that, but that's the way it is. It's the way his salvation comes into the earth, through preaching. That's why we fill our lives with it. It's my phone is full of it. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel, that's what it means, to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives. I want you to notice it lists the poor, it lists the captives, it lists the blind, it lists the oppressed. And, and his word is the answer to all of those things. 
It takes the poor and makes them rich. It takes the blind and makes them see. It takes the oppressed and fills them with joy and victory. It all comes through the preached word of God. To preach the good news to the poor, he has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed. Hello. Come on. This is real life. Who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. It's to the point now where there are commercials encouraging you to, to uh, be, to, to get treatment online for anxiety and depression. And they're, they're just, they got you, they give you the website, you log in, you talk to someone, and they'll prescribe something for you. I'm telling you the answer to depression is knowing your Father, your Heavenly Father. He's perfect. The answer to depression is the joy of the Lord, is the Holy Spirit living in you and you giving way to Him in every area of your life. Man is desperately looking for a pill to pop that will fix things. And I'm telling you, there, there are some prescriptions you can take that may help you for a period of time. But the reality is, if you want to be whole, it's got to come through relationship with the stone with the rock who's higher than you, with a rock that's higher. See, to be well, we've got to go to the rock that's higher than I. When I go to a person, I need to recognize I'm not going to the rock. There's nothing wrong. If you go to someone, you can get some help. There are good medical professionals. There are good counselors. There are good physicians. There are good practitioners that you can go to and get help. But to be whole consistently for the rest of your life, it's going to take the stone. You're going to have to go higher than man. You're going to have to go higher than man's technology, higher than man's perceived advancements. You're going to have to go higher. How high? To Christ himself. He's the rock that's higher than anyone else. He's the one who's perfect, who's never had to do any studies, who's never had to use a test tube or a computer. He's the one who knows it all, always has and always will. And when you go to the rock that is higher than man, you go to the answer. And boy, you'll save yourself a lot of grief just by going to Him and staying with Him and letting Him walk you through and give you the victory. Hallelujah. He came to preach good news to the poor, to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. You know, people are held captive by their thoughts. Thoughts of, of negative thoughts, depressing thoughts, thoughts of failure, Thoughts of, uh, that are on repeat, like a broken record of what they did wrong in the past. It's the good news of Christ that will break that cycle in you. That God is not keeping track of your mistakes. God finds no fault in you. He gives generously without finding fault. Is that in the Bible? Where would that be? James. That cycle of negativity, that cycle of condemnation and self-defeat, it's the good news of Christ that breaks that. There is no negativity for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that in the Bible? Is it? Romans 8, 1. That's what condemnation is. It's, it's the source of all of it. Underneath every fear every worry, every negative thought, there's some condemnation mixed in there. You look for, you'll see it. It's, it's the deep root that keeps people bound. We know we've made, mis we know we've blown it. We know we've done wrong. And underneath all the pretty philosophies and the explanations and the counseling sessions, there's this root underneath that's called condemnation. We've been separated from God and we know it. But when you come to Christ, that is removed forever. It's removed from ever. You're no longer separate from Him. You're one with God now. The distance between you and God was completely canceled and removed. You are one with the Father. If you are in Christ, you're one with Him. There is no longer any condemnation for you. There's no reason for you to be depressed. 
You say, yeah, but I've blown it so much and my family is bitter and all the things I've done. Listen, you, you, you say you're sorry. You say, I've I, I blown it. Forgive me. I did wrong. But you keep your eyes on Christ and you go forward. And now it's your family's responsibility to forgive you. You've, you've done what you can do. I can't go back and change my past, but I certainly can fix my eyes on Christ today and I can go forward. I can't make anyone forgive me. Jesus didn't say you have to make others forgive you in order for you to be forgiven. He said you have to forgive others so you can be forgiven. So all I need to do is keep my heart pure, right? I forgive those who've hurt me. I let go of offense. I let go of all the junk of the past. And if I've done something wrong to someone, and I'm aware of it, sometimes we're not, you know, then I'll say, I'll, I'll contact them and say, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't realize, you know, what I said I shouldn't have said or whatever. What I did, I shouldn't have done. And I apologize to them. And then it's, on, it's up to them what they do with that. They can hold on to that for the rest of their lives. I'm, I'm telling you, family can be something. I'm talking about the family I grew up in. They, to this day, they're holding on things. My whole life, I'm 53. My whole life, they've been holding on to things. Since I can remember. And they're still holding on today. And their health is in a terrible place. Because of all the junk they've been holding on to for decades. I can't control that. I can't control what others choose to do. So your past is behind you. If you've wronged someone, reach out to them, maybe write a letter to them, and say, listen, I realize what I've done was wrong, and I apologize to you. I'm sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. And that's all you can do. And then it's up to them. And you don't keep going back saying you're sorry. You say it once, and you mean it. And then you move forward. And if you have an opportunity to bless them or do something, you can do that. But you keep your heart right towards them. But you, lo- you got to realize they may hate you. They may be bitter against you for quite a while, but don't let that stop you from moving forward. You've got to go forward. You've got to go forward. Why? Because God loves you. Hallelujah. He loves you. So this is what people have been held captive by is the condemnation of their past. But that's over. It's canceled in Christ forever. Your past has been washed clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. Every mistake you've ever made has been canceled and erased. And you can go forward without fear, without reservation. Walk, move, put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Hallelujah. To send forth as delivered. That's you. Those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. What's calamity? Terrible loss and affliction. All of us have experienced things that were not God's will. All of us have. All of us experienced things that we should have never gone through. Because Satan is trying to take us out. But I'm here to tell you that Christ will redeem your life. What the devil tried to take you out with, Christ will cause you to prosper many times over. Hallelujah. He can do that. He can go backwards. He can go forward. He can go to the sides. He can go up and down. He can do whatever it takes, wherever it takes, whenever it takes to make you whole and to redeem your time and your life. Verse 19, now listen to this verse. Here we get to the the description of the day. That's why we're reading this verse. We're we're looking at the day he has made. It's not a 24-hour period. It's the age of God's grace. It started when Christ rose from the dead. It wasn't during his ministry, although he displayed it. But it couldn't be in full effect until he defeated death. It started when he rose from the dead, and it will continue until the rapture of the church. What is the rapture of the church? That those who know Christ, when he returns, will be caught up with him in the air. Those who don't will be here, left. I don't even want to think of what that's going to be like. It's not a fairy tale. It's very real. I don't know how soon it is, but I I know it's sooner than it was yesterday. (laughs) And I know I'm out of here. How about you? I'm out of here, man, and I I got a sweet ride waiting for me. God is my Father. So it's the age of grace, and it's not going to last forever. 
We need to understand that the grace of God is here in the earth now. Once the church is raptured, that's gone. And, and Satan's the god of this world. He's trying to do everything he can to destroy as many people as he can, but he's limited in what he can do because the church is in the earth. We are like the, 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 the stay for him. We're, we're like this barrier that he just keeps hitting against. But once we're raptured, it's going to be a whole different story. Time to know him, isn't it? So this is the day. You ready? Verse 19. He says to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day, age of grace, period of time, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. When is that day? Now. Salvation now. Health now. Wholeness now. Prosperity now. Victory now. This is the day when the salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound unto mankind. This day will not come again. I'm not talking about a 24-hour period. Once the church is raptured, this season is over. And it, I can't even imagine. I mean, if you think life on earth is bad now, forget about it. You can't even begin to imagine the horror without the church on the earth. And I say the church, I'm talking about those who are temples of the Holy Spirit, people with the Holy Spirit in them. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about people with the Holy Ghost in them. New creations in Christ. So Jesus is announcing the purpose for his coming. But what is he quoting here? Where did this come from? Did he just write this on the spot? It came from a prophet who lived almost 700 years before he did. And it was the prophet Isaiah. Boy, get into Isaiah. Why? Because it's full of Jesus. Let's look at what he's quoting. Let's go back to Isaiah 61. Jesus is quoting the prophet. Why? Because the prophet described this age of grace. The prophet described Jesus to a T. Almost 700 years before Jesus came to earth. That's powerful. Verse 1 of Isaiah 61. Did I say 60 or 61? Isaiah 61. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Remember that. When you're reading prior to Matthew, look for Jesus. When you're in Genesis 1, look for Jesus. When you're in Exodus, look for Jesus. When you're in Leviticus, look for Jesus. When you're in Numbers, look for Jesus. When you're in Deuteronomy, look for Jesus. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Look for Jesus. Look for Jesus in every book. That's the only way to understand the Bible is to see Jesus, and He's on every single page. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This sounds like Jesus in Luke chapter 4. It's prophetic, just like Psalm 118. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. That's good news, good report. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are, are bound. Now, verse 2 in the message translation, says this, God sent me to announce the year of His grace. Verse 2. Not talking about 365 days. Talking about an age of time that we're currently in now that will conclude with the rapture of the church. You're in this age of grace. This is an age where we don't get what we deserved. Hello. Listen, if we all got what we deserved, we would not be here right now. This is an age when we don't get what we deserve. This is an age when the grace of God is abounding unto us, whether we want it or not. I look back at my life, I should have never made it to 21. 
I should have never made it. I was a freight train heading to hell. I was a mess. I was, I was, I was just a, a tragedy on walking. I should not have made it to 21. How did I? The grace of God. The grace of God. I look back at my childhood and the things that I went through, and the grace of God was keeping me. And I don't care what you've been, when I say I don't care, in other words, no matter what you've been through, no matter how bad it may have seemed, I'm telling you the grace of God was doing everything he could to protect you and to keep you so that you could be here today to hear what you're hearing so that your life could be redeemed today. So don't get caught up back in the past. What was it we were just, something I just saw. It was all about going back into your past and analyzing it. That is a dead end. That's what man will try and tell. Well, let's go back. Let's talk about it. Let's analyze it. Why this and why that? Oh, this, that must mean you're a this and you're a type that and you're a type that. Forget that. Your past is behind you. Look to Christ in your past. Find Jesus in your past. You'll find him if you look. Find the redeeming grace of God in your past. Just because you're here today, I know you'll find it. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're joining us online, I know that the grace of God was in your past because you're here hearing what you're hearing. So if you want to go back into your past, look for Jesus there. I know there's a lot of garbage there. There's a lot of demons there. There's a lot of hurt and pain there. But look for Christ. If you're going to go back there, look for Him. He kept you. He kept me. There's no way I would have made it without His grace. There's no way I'd be here today without the grace of God. He's a keeper. He loves you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God sent me to announce the year of His grace. Let's read that in, back in the New King James, verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now look what Isaiah says. And the day, uh, and, and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus didn't say that part. He stopped at the beginning of the verse. I want you to get this. Isaiah said, and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus didn't say that. Why? That day is not here. It will come. Listen, all of us know that wrong deserves punishment. A child knows that. We can try and, and explain it away or, or create fancy philosophies to excuse it, but to sin brings judgment. Sin brings death. There's no way around that. You might not realize that because the grace of God is in the earth now, and we should have died from the sins we committed, but we didn't. But sin brings death, and sin is deserving of punishment. That day will come. It's not now. When is that? Well, we've got to be raptured first. Do you see what Jesus finished by saying to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound? He sent me to announce the year of His grace, and He closed the scroll. Many believers have not understood the age of time we're living in. How do I know? I'll hear ministers say, yeah, that tragedy happened because God brought judgment on that person. Wrong. That's as wrong as wrong can be. Yeah, that terrorist act happened in New York City because God is bringing judgment on America. Wrong as wrong can be. In this age of grace, God has no judgment to give to man. I want you to hear me. This might rock your religious world, but so be it. It needs rocked. God poured all of his judgment onto his son on that cross and in hell. And on the third day, he was justified, and the Holy Spirit raised him up. I'm telling you that Jesus drank the full cup of the vengeance and the wrath and the punishment of God for your sin. And we are living in that age where we can just reach out and grab it. But that age will pass. So if you've ever had the thought that that bad thing happened in my life because God was judging me, it's not so. It's not so. 
And I'm telling you, I've heard it since I've been saved. Ministers preaching it. Bad thing happens, God's judgment. Listen, if he poured it all on Jesus as the scriptures teach us, then what's he, what's he pouring out on us for? Are you awake on Easter Sunday? Are you here with me? I'm telling you, in this age of grace, the judgment of God is completely poured out on his son. And what God has for you is grace and favor. I know this just rack just, just goes contrary to our religious tradition because we're taught to be afraid of God, that if we do wrong, he's going to cripple us, he's going to hurt us, he's going to make bad things happen in our lives. But that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not the age we're living in. Yes, Satan is the God of this world. That's not God's will. Yes, bad things happen. Those aren't God's will. God's not allowing them, and he's not causing them. Satan is the God of this world. He is the thief. The grace of God is available to every person. God didn't do those things in your past. God didn't cause my family to be crazy to me growing up. That wasn't God's doing. God didn't cause all the pain or allow, allow the abuse and the things that happened in my past. God didn't allow that. God's not controlling people. We can do whatever we want. God gave each individual sovereignty over their own lives. Not sovereignty over everything, just over their own lives. God is sovereign over everything. He's above all, but he's given you the ability to choose what you pursue, what you, what you like, what you don't like, what you spend your time doing, how you live. So what, those bad things that happened in our past were, had nothing to do with the Father. But he comes into those situations to rescue us. I like it. I, I shared with you last week about Charles Capps talking about someone he knew, uh, a grandpa taking his son uh, to see the fire trucks put out fires. So I think they lived in a small town, and every time the fire sirens would go off, they'd find out where the fire was, and he'd, he'd bring his grandson to watch the firemen work. And it was just something they liked to do. And after a while, the little grandson said to the grandfather, he said, Grandpa, why do, the, why do these trucks ride around town starting fires? But that's what people think of God. No, the fire truck wasn't, didn't start the fire. The fire trucks came to the scene of the problem to solve the problem. So I can look back in my life and see a lot of problems. But I can also see God protecting me, God trying to do whatever he could do to redeem me and get me to the point where I'm at now. God, God causes all things to work together for good. In all things God is working, he's not causing them. He's working to, to, to counter the devil's strategy. He's wor working to, to bring to naught the strategies that Satan has tried to employ in your life. So don't get confused when you go through something difficult and you come out blessed and say, well, I'm glad I went through that because I learned this. No. No, that was not God's plan for you to go through that. God's plan was for you to be victorious. And if you learn something through it, well, praise him for it. But you didn't have to go through that to learn it. You could learn it by getting your nose in this book and letting the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. This is how God wants to teach us. God doesn't teach us through bad things. That would be a perverted parent that abuses their children. If he taught you through sickness and disease and tragedy, that is ridiculous. He's a good father. He doesn't, he doesn't abuse his children. Come on. Boy, we need to preach the reality of his goodness because it hasn't been preached nearly enough. Do you realize how someone like me is criticized for preaching what I preach? Slandered for preaching that God, it's God's will to heal you? Isn't that amazing how, how far we've gotten from the reality of his nature? That for, for a preacher to come along and say, God didn't give you that thorn. And have other preachers just start slandering and, and coming against it. and That's how far we've gotten from the true nature of the Father. That we can't hear the gospel and receive it. We've got to fight with it. Not good. It's a new day. It's the year of His grace. Take advantage of this age we're living in and receive the abundance of His grace and the gift of His righteousness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, 
He loves us so much. Hallelujah. Salvation now. Wholeness now. Prosperity now. Freedom from lack now. Joy now. Beauty now. The renewal of your youth now. Garment of praise now. Instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit now. That's the rest of Isaiah 61. But let's finish up with this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We are living in this age. If you're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, do it by grabbing a hold of who he is. Grab a hold of his love for you. Grab a hold of what he accomplished for you through his resurrection. God is not interested in a greeting card, in a nice dinner. He wants you to be whole. He's not interested in these shallow uh, uh, homages to statues. He wants you to experience abundant life today. He's the living God. He's the stone. He's the one who made you. And he came so that you could experience all that he is. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead, plead with you, not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If, you're gonna, if you think you're going to wait a week before you start to, to, to pursue him, you're wasting, I, I don't know if you're going to get to that week. I'm just being real with you. I am not a gloom and doom person at all. I am not legalistic. I, I'm telling you we're in enemy territory where the world is not a pretty place. I appreciate the mountains and the trees and the oceans, but they're deteriorating because of the curse of sin, not because of plastic. This world is falling apart because of the curse of sin. And even in its fallen state, it's still beautiful. But I'm telling you, you can't even begin to imagine what the new heaven and the new earth are going to be. This earth is so far from the will of God, so far from what God wanted it to be. And that happened because of man's sin, and we're not woe is me about it. I'm just telling you, this earth is not where it's at. And if you're not aware of the day we're living in, you could very well miss the salvation God has for you. I can't say that tomorrow I'll just, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll just give my life to Jesus tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. No one does. Now, I can, if I'm in Christ, I know he will see me all the way through to the fulfillment of my destiny. I can know that my tomorrow is assured because I'm in him. I have no fear of the future if I'm in him. You see, in one sense, there's a good kind of fear. Right? When I turn the gas burner on and I know I can't hold my hand over that because I've been burnt before. That's a good fear, right? It's good to realize the world we're living in is not a, a place to, to goof off with my heart and to give my heart away to anyone and to pursue any philosophy I want to pursue. It's good to know that that would hurt me. To not put my hand in the flame of man's philosophies. To not burn myself anymore with shallow relationships and the wisdom of religious tradition. But to give my life to him. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore, now is the time, now is the day of salvation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, a new power is in operation. During this age of grace, there is this power in operation that the worst of the worst can become the best of the best, that the dead could come alive, that, that a drug addict could be totally free in a moment, that, that, that a, a sinner becomes a saint immediately. 
There's a new power in operation. It's the spirit of life in Christ. And like a strong wind, it's magnificently cleared the air, freeing us from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Verse 11, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, that's what we're celebrating today, is it not? If the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He will do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive to Himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and He does as surely as He did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with His Spirit living in you. Your body is alive, will be as alive as Christ. Hallelujah. 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 You are as alive as Christ. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling in your body and the Father through that same Spirit is giving life to your mortal body. You ought to be saying that regularly. Every cell of my body is full of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. The resurrection life of Christ fills every cell of my body. Fills every tissue, fills every organ, fills every system of my body. The resurrection life of Christ. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.